Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. This episode is brought to you by Budai Media. At Budai Media, we help e-commerce businesses scale beyond eight and nine figure annual revenue with retention marketing and website conversion rate optimization. We help e-commerce businesses get to the next level by increasing their customer lifetime value and website conversion rate. Budai Media helped 100 plus e-commerce stores grow from all over the world in the last three years. If you think you need help with scaling your e-commerce business, let's connect. Email us your questions at contact at thebudaimedia.com. If you want to learn more about this topic or find out more details, go to thebudaimedia.com. Let me spell Budai to make it easier for you. B-U-D-A-I. So again, go to thebudaimedia.com to learn more. Hello, everyone. Here is Daniel with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with Dale Bertrand from Boston, the US. And before we get started with Dale, let me mention the name of Tim Kiroy, who was our uh, first mentor, first agency mentor. And with Dale, we got connected through Tim. So Tim, if you are listening to this episode or watching us, then uh, I'm really grateful that uh, basically of the network and everything that we did together. Also, I want to mention uh, one of our podcast episodes from the past with Cream, uh, sorry, with uh, Craig Campbell which was the 45th episode of our uh, podcast. And we talked about SEO there. And today we will talk about SEO again, um, the purpose-driven SEO, what is the unique approach of Dale. And before jumping into this topic, Dale, uh, hey, how are you? Please tell us more about your uh, story. Um, How did you get started with digital marketing? Yeah, Daniel, first of all, thank you for having me. I want to... Um, I want to shout out to Tim Kilroy too. So Tim Kilroy is a, a shared mentor you and I both have, and I know that that's how we met. Um, so, you know, he, he's been wonderful to both of us. So thank you, Tim. Um, and in terms of how I got started, I mean, my background is technical. So I studied engineering in school and I was a software developer for a while. That was really my first career. I actually did that for 20 years and that blows my mind too. It's a long time. Um, But in 2008, I decided to switch over to digital marketing and I've been doing digital marketing freelancing. And and then I started my agency, Fire and Spark, and we grew Fire and Spark over the last several years and we focus on SEO. So that's how I got to Fire and Spark and the team that we have now. Yeah, that's great. And uh, can you tell us more about the profile of the agency? What, what, you know, who is your typical client, where they are based? How big is your agency now? Yeah, so we are 20 people. We used before the pandemic, we were in an office in Boston. So we have a story like a lot of companies where we went remote and just never looked back. So now we're really stretched across many time zones from Europe to East Coast of the U.S. to the West Coast of the U.S. So that is what our team looks like. And we focus on SEO. So we're, you know, SEO all day, every day. So clients we work with, I would say um, a bunch of them are e-commerce. So we, we love working with 
um, e-commerce brands, especially if they're like mission driven or, you know, something we can get behind. And then we have a number of other clients that are software companies. You know, some of them are B2B. We've done a bunch of work in the education space, apparel. Um, so, but primarily we focus on SEO and we have a bent towards authority first SEO, which means mm -hmm. that instead of the core focus of what we're doing uh, being like technical audits and on-page optimization, for us, the real core focus of what we're doing is, is building authority. So basically, you know, improving the website's ability to rank content and get better rankings. And that's kind of the authority side of SEO. We do the other stuff too. It's just that the authority side of SEO really moves the needle. If you want to like 2X mm -hmm. or 3X your organic traffic. Um, and when we we're focused on technical and on-page optimizations, then you get like, you know, a 10% increase or a 20% increase. So that's why yeah. we're, we're really focused on authority first uh, SEO strategies. Mm -hmm. Is SEO um, a service or, or a part of marketing where there are big differences based on the industry or, or not really? reason why I'm asking, because for example, in my agency, when it comes to email marketing, there are huge differences between e-commerce and let's say an info product business or a SaaS company, while yeah, we also yeah. do conversion rate optimization and there, there is no really difference between industries. Well, there are fundamentals <laughs> that matter regardless. And I think out of those fundamentals come some big differences for in different markets mm -hmm. and different types of clients. But the fundamentals are really like, building the platform so like a website where google can crawl and index your site and then second fundamental is really like keyword visibility so targeting the right keywords the right search intent so that you're offering the information or the product or the service that people are actually looking for and then mm -hmm. the other fundamental is authority so how are you going to build authority with google so that if you have relevant content that answers the question people are asking when they're searching for something why is Google going to choose your piece of content rather than your competitor's piece of content? And then Daniel, getting back to your, your question about whether, you know, I see it's different if it's like B2B or an e-commerce site, mm -hmm. when you really have to think about it in terms of those fundamentals where the, the competition in let's say um, e-commerce for socks or sneakers will be way higher than the competition in the B2B space for a company that's, that's selling water filtration systems into commercial yeah factories or something like that. But then also when you look at the second fundamental I mentioned, which is um, keyword visibility, like when you're, when you're doing your keyword research for socks or sneakers or some, you know, huge, you know, consumer product category, there's going to be a ton of volume. So you have the opportunity to go after long tail keywords with volume, um, you know, shorter high value keywords that are going to be super competitive, but they're going to have a ton of volume. And then, on the B2B side, and I'm going to use this water filtration <laughs> company that I made up as an example, they're, they're going to go after these very low volume water filtration keywords, which, which means just yeah. a completely different profile in terms of, you know, what you're looking for, um, for search volume, relevance and competition <laughs> in, for the keywords that you're going after. So there are big differences, but you can rely on the fundamentals regardless of uh, what, what market you're in. Makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about Google. So how did the platform change in the last few years? What were the oh, biggest changes? So it's changed a ton in the last 20 years. So I've been doing SEO for a long time. And when I started, you could basically, you know, we would call it SEO, but nowadays it looks like it was manipulation. So we would do things like 
keyword stuffing and you know buy a an exact match domain so if i buy uh waterfiltration.com then i'm gonna it's gonna show up every time somebody types water filtration and then spammy link building con uh, uh spammy link building strategies mm -hmm. like like doing indiscriminate um guest posting so imagine like I'm writing a bunch of articles, I put links to my website in the articles, and then I give away that content to syndicate it on other people's websites. When I was starting with SEO, you could put those, you could put those in article directories or any blog, whether it was relevant or not, and you would get, you would get benefit from it. So really the way that Google's changed is Google's AI makes all those manipulations just kind of useless. Like Google wants, Google wants it to be really hard to game the search engine. And they want to make it so that we don't even try to manipulate the search results. Uh, but but Google's AI is a lot better at like understanding search queries. Like that's one piece of it. So the example that I always give is if somebody's typing in 3D printing into Google, they're looking for a 3D printing service, somebody to manufacture parts for them on a 3D printer. If somebody types in 3D printer into Google, that person is looking to buy a machine. So buy a 3D printer. And Google's AI has gotten really great at understanding the difference between 3D printer and 3D printing. We call that search intent, the intent. What is the intent behind the query? What are people looking for? And then also um, they've got really good at things like misspellings and the context behind yeah. the search. You know, if yeah. I search for a particular football team and then I ask Google, when's the next game? Google should know that I'm talking about my favorite football team, not, not any football team. So Google's gotten great at understanding queries, and that's super important because if Google knows what the searcher's searching for, that's the first step in Google finding the best piece of content out there for them. And then like at, fundamentally at the end of the day, an AI search engine like Google is about predicting behavior, predicting human behavior. Google wants to know if I show these results for this query, are people going to click on them? And Google will measure that. That's how Google figures out if it got that got the results right if it should move some of the results up and move other ones down because nobody's clicking and that's all information that google's feeding into its search engine so another thing that's changed is that google google search engine is learning it's not just showing us the best results but it's learning from what we click on it's learning from our behavior how we use the search engine and if we click on a result that takes us to a website do we stay there or do we come back immediately to google and click on something else so that learning is super important. Um, and then obviously Google's better at like classifying web pages and um, ranking which ones it should show. So, so at the end of the day, like it's all about making sure that you're targeting the right search intents that, that we, we call it search intent, search intent instead of keywords, because Google's not, Google's trying to figure that out too. Like what are people really looking for? And then make sure that you have the right type of content or pay, whatever it is that you're publishing on your site because for some queries some search intents people are looking to buy something they're, they're transactional they're commercial there's purchase intent by it like if i type in you know diapers into google i'm looking to buy a diaper most likely but if i type in diaper rash into google mm -hmm. i'm probably looking for information about diaper rash i feel sorry for my kid right but like i'm and that's a different query like that's an informational query and Google's gotten really good at knowing what people are looking for and finding the right type of information. Sometimes the right type of information is just a number. So if I go to Google and I type in, you know, what is the population of New York City? 
Google just give me a number at the top. No website, no web. Yeah, I really love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, like Google's pulling that information out, out of um, a bunch of databases that it is partnered with. I think there's like a free wiki data site. I forget what the name of it is. But, um, you know, Google's just really good at knowing like what information are you looking for and then finding it. Yeah. Same with weather, same with uh, clutch reviews that nowadays we are really pushing our clutch profile with the agency. Oh, because, I see. Because if you go to Google and look for, a, let's say, an email marketing uh, company, then uh, clutch is integrated and you are on the top if you are good uh, on clutch. And I just really like that you type in something and it gives you the result uh, without any hesitation or like uh, I, the other day, I just converted kilograms to pounds and it yeah. gives you the result ASAP. So, yeah. It's, so it's Google's great. more of an information search engine rather than a web search engine. And that distinction yeah. is huge. And as marketers, what it means for us is Google's not like looking for words on a page anymore. It used to be if I typed in buy diapers, Google would just show pages that have buy diapers on them. But now Google knows I'm looking for a product. So they're going to show product pages and product ads and <laughs> product images yeah. and, and, and all that sort of thing. So as marketers, we need to like search engine strategies need to change because Google's AI is getting scary good at understanding what people are looking for and finding the right content. So I, as a marketer, I need to know what my customers are searching for and I need to create that content and it needs to be high quality. It needs to be high enough quality that they stay it answers the it satisfies the query and if my if i know what my my customers are looking for and it's not just my product or service but they're looking for information related to my product or service and they're looking for information related to pain points and problems that they have that are related to my service so i call that customer intimacy which is like how well do you really know your customers so that you can publish the information that they're really searching for regardless of you know exactly what the query says and then demonstrate to Google that you're satisfying the query because your information is so good that when people go to that page after typing in uh, the, the, the keywords that you're targeting, they stay on your website. They don't bounce back to Google. Um, so if that's what we really need to be thinking about. And that, that's the, the content mm -hmm. side of the equation. But Google's AI is also better at determining authority. So remember, like we can make a website with a ton of content. It could be all the right content, be awesome content. But if Google doesn't know that we're, we have expertise, that we're like authoritative in our space, then we're, Google's not going to rank this content. It's just not going to, it's not, just not going to show up. You're not going to get the visibility yeah. that you want. So yeah. the authority side of the equation is really important. And, you know, Google started by using backlinks to determine authority and, and backlinks are still super, super important. And that's most of what we do or most of what we worry about for authority. But there's also engagement, which is like click through on the search engine. Do uh, sorry on the search results page. Do people you know click on your results? And then I talked about bounce rates. That's like the engagement piece. And then depending on what you're selling, if you can get Google reviews, that's also an authority factor. And then also for authority, we like to make sure that your brand is associated with organizations that have authority and trust in your space. So if you were selling a healthcare service in the consumer space. We would want to make sure that you have associated, or we're showing on your website that you've got authors with letters after their name, that you're associated with hospitals and the Mayo Clinic in the U.S. Um, and we, there's a lot more to it, but those associations are really important. And that's the authority side of it. 
So for us, when we're doing SEO, um, I had talked about this before, you know, start by making sure your website is crawlable and indexable, but we're not going to overestimate, we're not going to overinvest in technical SEO. We want to quickly get to the point that we've, we've done our keyword research, we've, we know what keywords we want to go after, and we're really focused on content and authority going forward. Yeah. And uh, I know that the way how you call your framework, your approach is a purpose-driven SEO. Um, what are the other aspects of this, uh, of this approach? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned um, purpose-driven SEO. That must have been in my bio. Um, but because we focus on authority and content and, you know, we consider ourselves like an authority first agency when it comes to SEO, the purpose-driven approach works really well. So the, the purpose-driven approach is instead of thinking bottom-up, so bottom-up with SEO is all the technical signals that Google needs to see. Google needs to see links and keywords and good content. Like there's a whole lot of stuff we want Google to see. Instead of starting there, we start top-down, which is what is the overarching marketing strategy going to be that's going to give us these signals that Google's looking for. So the purpose-driven approach is really looking at your brand and trying to think about like, what is it about your brand that is remarkable that we can build a purpose behind, like a mission behind your brand? Sometimes that's a social mission. Like we want to, uh, we want to save the planet or, you know, we're, we're concerned about sustainable materials, things like that. Um, but it doesn't have to be a social mission. It could be a story. It could be the story of the founders, the story of the products, the story of the brand. Um, and people will get behind it. You know, we, we have a client we worked with, He's a firefighter. He sells coffee, sells $10 million a year in coffee. And while he was working full-time as a firefighter, and he's also a Navy veteran. So that story is powerful from a marketing perspective and an FTO perspective. Because telling that story, we're able to get links, we're able to get reviews, we're able to show engagement on the website because we have first responder communities, you know, police, firefighter coming to the website, buying and staying there and reading the content. So that was the purpose behind that brand that we were able to use for a purpose-driven SEO campaign. It might also be your products. So some products, uh, we work with a company that sells wool products and the wool is sourced out of um, a specific region in the UK. And they are very opinionated about how the wool should be harvested and uh, the, the sheep should be, should be um, treated. And telling that story um, makes for a great purpose-driven SEO campaign because we can basically tell that story into a community that cares and we can get backlinks, show engagement, all of the good things that, that Google's looking for. One thing that's important is sometimes your, your purpose resonates not necessarily with the people that you're selling to. So an example there, once again, the 3D printing company, we, we have a, a client we work with, they sell very expensive 3D printers. These are million dollar commercial grade 3D printers. The mm -hmm. problem from an SEO perspective is that once you get links from all the relevant trade groups and all of that, there's just not a lot of links and engagement out there because such a small community of people that are interested yeah. in commercial grade 3D printers. So what we did was we built out content for 3D printing hobbyists. These are people that are building their own machines. They, they're a lot of them and they're, they care, you know, they're an active community. They engage with that content. They engage with the site. And we, we were able to, even though the printers that the client sells are very expensive, we were able to show backlinks and engagement from a relevant community because it's a 3D printing community 
um, and it does need to be relevant, does need to be perfectly relevant. Um, but we were able to show that because we went after an active, relevant community, and that helped us to rank for the keywords, the commercial 3D printing keywords that we wanted to rank for on other pages. Um, mm -hmm. the, the relevance piece is important. You don't you don't want to build um, like let's say you sell soy wax candles. Um, you don't want to get all of your authority from the 3D printing community or something like that because it has nothing to do with your product. And um, relevance is important for backlinks and engagement and all of that. But what we love about this purpose-driven SEO um, strategy is that you know you you're basically choosing a purpose that's aligned with your brand that you know you are excited about when you're doing your SEO. And having a purpose behind your SEO when you're doing your outreach, when you're building like your authority content, what that allows you to do is to partner with like-minded individuals and organizations. Like a lot of what we see nowadays, we'll send emails because we're trying to get links or, or content partnerships and people will either ignore the email or they'll respond with a rate card. So they're going to tell you, sure, we'll do it, but here's how much it's going to cost. But when you have a purpose behind your SEO, what happens is you're able to find people who are like-minded because they've written or posted on the, the subject that's related to what you care about. And then you can get them to amplify your brand, do some backlinking, all of that. And um, they're doing it because they're like-minded, because they agree with you on your purpose and they want to help you amplify their, your purpose. Um, they're not going to do it because they want to help you sell more product or sell more services. So that's why we really like the, the top-down purpose-driven SEO approach. And I also think it helps a lot with branding and positioning. Uh, if somebody is unclear about this, then, you know, if uh, you have this purpose-driven SEO approach, then you have to be really clear about it. So um, it, will it will be crystallized further. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like <clears throat> when I'm talking about um, customer intimacy, like getting to know your customers so you can build the right content. Um, and then also building authority and, and using purpose. Like that's all marketing 101. Like it, so yeah. like one of the big things here is like SEO is becoming marketing. And then the other the other big the big, other big learning over the last like couple of years is that the forces that drive attention on the internet are the same forces that are that are driving Google visibility, like SEO at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Because if you can harness those forces, you know, get people to interact with your content, to join the cause um, and, and basically help you amplify your marketing, that's what Google's looking for. Google's looking for brands that are either already established, so we expect to see them in the results, or if you're, if you're a new brand, you're not already established, Google wants to see that you're, you're building momentum, you're, you're, you're gaining traction with an audience online. And, yeah. and how we do it is purpose-driven SEO. Yeah. Uh, regarding backlinks, so how to get quality backlinks? Because I think nowadays it's trickier, right? Because Google is smarter. So you cannot just uh, put links everywhere and get links from everywhere. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's tough. Like Google is, is so much smarter now. Like they're doing less manual penalties than they used to, even though we still see manual penalties if you're doing, you know, black hat link building. Really what Google wants to do is just ignore links that are that are manufactured, like links that are built. Yeah. And Google wants all links to be natural links, which means that people are linking to it because you're 
your content is really good or your product is good or they, they like your service and they're writing about it because they used it and they liked it. Like that's Google wants all links to be natural like that so that Google can rely on links. If people are you know doing link building and manufacturing unnatural links, then Google it makes it harder for Google to do their job. So that's why they're so focused on um, trying to get people to build natural links. But natural links are hard. Like you, you've got to, you've really got to realize that you're going to get natural links when you actually have a good business. Like you have a good product, you have a good service, you have, you have clients and customers that are happy with you. So I would really start there. Like you need to have something that some audience or customer base is excited about and, you know, gets a lot of value out of. If you don't have that, then link building is going to be very hard because you're going to have to buy links or uh, manufacture links that are probably going to be ignored, like you're saying. And you want links to be relevant. So you really do, if you sell shoes or let's say you sell sneakers to sneakerheads, you really want links from other sneakerhead sites. Like you, you don't want, like I was saying before, you don't want it from people who are, you know, writing about beekeeping or something. And for some reason, there's some random link to your sneaker website up there. Yeah. So that's another hard part of it. But we make link building easier with purpose-driven SEO. So we will put up content related to the purpose. Like I'll give you some examples. We have a, a client that is excited about offering apprenticeships to people who want to get into the trades or they want to get into construction. If, if, and they'll, they'll, they're going to offer like a, a, um, a project management um, in, apprenticeship for somebody who wants to get into construction mm -hmm. or sorry, product management in the construction space. And put up and it is really that is relevant to what they do because they do construction and um and they do real estate but they'll put up some pages describing the apprenticeships they'll promote that they'll get some links they'll get some engagement because there there're going to be a number of people who are are happy to who are, are happy to promote this apprenticeship so the that that's a purpose driven seo campaign where when we're doing link building and your question was specifically about link building when we're doing link building we're able to do our outreach and say we're not saying link to us because we're an awesome construction company and we're not saying link to us because we wrote this great piece of content you know this pillar piece that is awesome that you should link to yeah. we're telling them like hey if you care about helping young people find um, career opportunities. We've got this apprenticeship. We're looking for awesome young kids who'd be excited to get in to uh, get a, to find an apprenticeship in the trades or construction project management. You know, help us get the word out. So that's an example of a purpose-driven approach mm -hmm. for link building. Um, but we've got other examples. But um, yeah, so that's how the purpose-driven approach helps link building. And the other thing that I'll say that's working for link building is if you're an e-commerce site, because we work a lot of e-commerce sites. That's that's our sweet spot. Um, if you're an e-commerce site and you're you're able to you know give away products for links, like then that is an incentivized link building scheme. So it's important to realize that that's a gray hat tactic, but it still works. So um, if you're able to figure out how to do that, a lot depends on you know who who your audience is. Um, you know whether people review the types of products that you sell, and then. Also, do you have a, a high value or a high enough value product that you can give away and people would be happy to, you know, agree to, to write an honest review and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so you also said that SEO has becoming uh, has been becoming uh, marketing more and more and it's less technical than before. I'm just curious, what are those areas where, you know, technical things are still important. Maybe if you can. Yeah. Mention yeah. Like if your website is completely broken. So <laughs> the, the technical matters so that Google can crawl and index your website. 
and think of the it's table stakes right but you asked me like how seo has changed since um many years ago when i started with seo now we have cmss like wordpress hubspot shopify and they do a pretty good job like they're stable technical platforms so when we're doing technical seo on top of those platforms we're worried about things like page speed um something that we broke when we built out our wordpress theme or, or or something like that um but for the most part when when i'm doing seo the technical piece is, is really the first piece to make sure that we don't have a big technical problem, like very yeah. slow pages or pages that Google can't crawl or index. And then we move on to on-page optimization for the existing content. That's kind of like the the on the the ramp up phase of, of one of our SEO projects. And then we want to move on to the third growth phase where we're focused on content and authority forever and the numbers go up. But that that's the way... I'm thinking about SEO and I don't want to spend more time than it's worth like optimizing technical stuff when we know that Google cares about finding the right answer for people, satisfying queries. So, and so we need to prove that we're authoritative in our space and we need to have the right content. So we want to spend 95% of our time there. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you, Dale. Um, Is there any one tip that you would give to, especially e-commerce business owners in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I would say with e-commerce, um, well, so much of it depends on where you're at. So some some e-commerce brands that we work with, they already have authority and we're focused on, um, we're focused on, like I said, f- do what needs to be done with the technical piece, then keyword visibility, but then then it's really content because they already have the authority. And then other e-commerce brands we, we look at, like they might have some content, they might not, but they don't have the authority to rank anything in the first place. Yeah. And you know, if you're up against Amazon because you're in the e-commerce space and you don't have a lot of authority, then you really want to be looking at you know increasing your authority with you know links, engagement, reviews, the, the kind of stuff that we're talking about. So I, I really think the first thing what I would do if I was on the phone with an e-commerce brand is try try to understand like if you've got more of a content problem or an authority problem and move forward with either building authority or building content. Sometimes you need both, but usually the emphasis should be on one or the other, depending on where you're at relative to your competition. If your competition is Amazon, (laughs) like sometimes we look at keywords as shoes or sneakers, you know, the competition is Amazon, Walmart, Target. Um, That's tough. And then there are other spaces like I'm coming up with this in the e-commerce space, like soy wax candles or um, something like that, where you can really carve out some long tail keyword niches where you don't have a ton of competition. So it's about getting the right content out there if you already have some authority. Yeah, makes sense. I just got a soy wax candle uh, oh. yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We, we have a client that makes wax candles, so we actually have a bunch of them. Oh, and the last thing I'll say, though, because I, I thought of yep. something I probably should. When, when we're building out content, um, what we're, we're always telling people is, like, writing articles is the, the, the hardest way to do content. So, like, we love the idea of efficient content where you're not mm-hmm. writing. Because with articles, the way it went with SEO is that you know, we were doing 300-word articles back in the day, then 500, then 1,000. Now it's like, well, if you yeah, want to be 2,000. It's like, yeah, this isn't good. That's not even what Google cares about. 
Like Google wants it to satisfy the query. It needs to be useful. It needs to be the right answer. So we are looking for efficient ways to do that where we're not writing a thousand word articles for every single keyword that we care about. And that's things like collection pages because you can do them with, they need some content, um, but you can do that with a couple sentences, maybe a paragraph. And then also FAQs. So depending on who you're selling to, you know, top of the funnel informational queries, you can satisfy those with FAQs. You'll get in the people also ask box on the page and then also featured snippets. And then the other thing is SEO landing pages. So instead of thinking about articles, think about these pages as SEO landing pages. Now you need to write one or two paragraphs and we can really mm -hmm. go after a lot of long tail keywords. Now, if you, if you need to go after like a high competition keyword, then you need a linkable page. And a lot of times linkable pages will be articles, like authoritative articles. I get that. But you're doing that so it's linkable. You're not doing that so that it's relevant to the keyword. There's always more efficient ways um, than long articles to go after um, to go after specific keywords that you're trying to go after. And then also, I'm sorry, just keep thinking of tips. Just This is just the stuff that I'm working on that I'm building out in strategy documents for my current clients. The other thing we're seeing that's working well, depending on what space you're in for e-commerce, is comparison mm -hmm. articles. So imagine if you're selling okay. high-end security cameras, something like that. You might, people might be going on, or I, I know they are going online, you know, trying to compare different brands of security cameras or DIY versus working with a, an installer or something like that. So we're doing well with comparison articles of ver various types because there's volume for those types of that type of content for e-commerce sites. But also people who are doing those pretty specific comparisons, they're ready to buy. So these are purchase intent keywords. Yeah, um, they so are close to the, you know, purchase. Yeah. So that's an area where we would write articles um, for high value keywords. But those are tips I can think of off the top of my head, just stuff that's working on working for projects that I'm working on right now. Yeah, thank you, Dea. Uh, I think it was a great talk today. I learned a lot and I, I hope everyone learned a lot uh, today about SEO. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And um, I hope everyone uh, will listen to our next episode as well. Every week we are coming out with a new podcast episode. If you like this, then... Uh, give us a review on Spotify or Apple podcast. It helps our SEO as well. And um, yeah, thanks again. All right. Thank you, Daniel. And we're going to get you back to Boston because I know you like lobster. So <laughs> you go to your Boston lobster and steak dinner, surf and turf. That's my favorite. So that's what we'll do. Yeah, I think this year I'm going there for sure. Uh, COVID, All right, cool. Cool. It will be over, I hope so. And then, yeah, we can even meet. So, yeah. All right, cool. Surf and turf in Boston. I'll see you there. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.